plants, simple, still organisms that eat nutrients from the ground. Until Hollywood got a hold of them and turned them into blood-hungry monsters. Does it have to be human? Does it have to be mine? Where am I supposed to get it? Feed me, Simo. Feed me all night long. That's right, boy. You can do it. Feed me, Simo. Feed me all night long. <laughs> Cause if you feed me, Simo, I can grow up. Whether talking, singing, alien pod peopled, or global warming warning trees and killer tomatoes. From the humble beginnings of the science fiction films of the 50s, B-movies of the 60s, all the way up to the Lord of the Rings in the 2000s, killer plants have always fascinated humans. Before eating them, of course. Today I'll dissect the different types of carnivorous plants and take you through all of the original sequels, musical spin-offs, and parody films as we discuss crop killers. Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from S&M Nazis to murderous children to big-ass insects. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. All right. So we've got some stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah, we do. Today, I want to talk about all of the listener suggestions that we've gotten throughout season four. And there's a bunch of them. Yeah, there is okay. a lot of them. All right. So let's start with Tori. So Tori sent us an email and suggested moms who convince their sons to kill on their behalf. So we That's have kind nice. of always talked about doing a like mommy issues, daddy issues, maybe two parter. Yeah, so we thought about that. She just threw out a couple psycho Friday the 13th, Sana Sangra. So those yeah, yeah, yeah. Was really solid topic so maybe william sent us vagina dentata <laughs> this is of course movies where vaginas have teeth right i can think of one i can only think of one but i think as an extended topic and we talked about this a little bit yesterday weird genitalia things yeah because killer movies genitalia or something something where like bizarre genitalia there's a movie i can think of called chatterbox about a talking vagina yeah there and was in bruno where the penis talks it's the urethra is right. like the announcer yeah and i think there's plenty of anime that has like mutant genitalia yeah we, we had a very healthy conversation about it last night. That, so I would yeah. say that's correct. Yes. Longtime listener Rob sent sexual assault on men or male rape. We've talked about this a little bit. He sent some examples, Shawshank Redemption, Alien. He said it's a, a bit of a stretch on that one, but maybe. Yeah. Pulp Fiction, American History X, I'll Sleep When I Die. This could be a good topic. Yep. Satan's Children. Deliverance. Yep. Mike sent us a couple of topics. His big one was Home Invasion. Also, Pedophiles. 
I might do that one. Mm. Incest, which God knows I've been working on forever and still haven't done it. Yeah. It's, there's so much. I'm going to need to come up with an angle. There's a lot of incest. Yeah. There, yeah. Need an angle. Mm-hmm. DJ tweeted at us and said, all 72 video nasties. I think I'm going to do this. That's I'm, probably one we should do. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do this okay. one. Yeah. We've talked about it a little bit, but we've never talked about it on air. I feel like if I did an episode that was all 72 video nasties, that would be pretty pretty great that would be great and i think it's one we should tackle we should tackle but yeah frederick said animated b movies would make a great episode as would lesbian death syndrome there is maybe two movies with lesbian death syndrome (laughs) (laughs) there definitely is a whole thing in the gay community about gay movies always ending in tragic endings for for gays up until about 2009 i think right or whenever we saw Carol. Yeah, Carol's the first the gay movie I've ever seen where somebody didn't die at the end. Right. That's just kind of skimming off the top of all of the suggestions that we're getting. Please keep them coming. My yeah, friend Anthony just texted me and he said, New York shitty. All the <laughs> shitty depictions of New York. That's kind of great. That's not bad. People give us recommendations and text us and tell us all the time and yep. we love it. Yeah, um, keep it coming. My last episode is actually, I was still working on incest and I got an email that night from someone. I was just not feeling the episode and I just completely overhauled and changed it. Your next one is a listener recommended topic, it is, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're doing it. We yeah, promised we and we we upheld that. So Right. And I've had a couple of listener topics this season and St. Asylum's was a listener suggested topic too. So, so I've done a few this season. I'm doing two as well. So, so excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So I need to just tell you that this was called Killer Plants Forever. And at the last second, I turned to my work partner and I was like, both of my episodes, which I won't tell you what the next one is, but both of mine has the word plants in it. We've got to change Mm -hmm. it. Tossed around a couple of other ideas. And then he was like, how about crop killers? And I was like, well, (laughs) you just nailed that one. So crop crop killers is what this episode is called. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, change it at the last minute. Crop killers. Is it crop killers or killers? What is the song? It's Killers, right? Cop oh, Killer. I don't know. I think it's Cop Killer. Okay. So I think it's, it's Crop Killer. Okay. There's that, that too works. many jokes if it's right. Crop That's... Killers. So let's talk about real killer plants first before oh, we start. These are basically any type of plant that instead of just getting nutrients from the sun, soil, and water, get nutrients by eating other creatures. Yeah. There are a few different types, starting with pitfall traps that trap prey in a rolled leaf that contains digestive enzymes or bacteria. So it rolls up a creature. Right. Flypaper traps use a sticky goop to trap insects. Sticky goop. Yep. Snap traps use rapid leaf movements. That's like a Venus flytrap. Yeah. Bladder traps, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Suck in prey with a bladder that generates an internal vacuum. So it like... Like sucks, them up. sucks people in. Uh-huh. That's uh. weird. And lobster traps force prey to move towards a digestive organ with inward pointing hair. So once they go in there, they kind of can't back up. They have to keep moving forward because the hairs force them to go a certain way and then it eats them. Mm. So those are the real plants that eat stuff other than, you know, water and like fertilizer and stuff. No one really understood the different types of carnivorous plants until a study was done and a book was written by it. And that book was actually written by Charles Darwin in 1875. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, fun fact, that was the only thing he ever did. I know. Yeah. Just like like Thomas Thomas Edison, Edison. viral video, one hit wonder. Right. Did the cat thing. Charles Darwin never wrote another thing again. Nope. He just wrote a book about carnivorous plants. People were like, thanks. And then (laughs) thanks for your your efforts. He's only known for that. Yep. So the bulk of what we're going to be talking about today are carnivorous plants. Gotcha. 
There's a few other different types of plants that come up, namely like poisonous plants. Okay. Uh, like in the movie Call of the Wild, remember that guy? He ate the, it's based on a true story, he ate like poisonous berries and died. Oh like, yeah. We'll talk Don't a mess. little bit about that, but yeah. not really. You know, it's it's basically about carnivorous types of plants right. because that's much more interesting. It would have been cool if that happened in that movie where he like got eaten by a plant. Yeah, like a giant Venus flytrap just lived snapped him up. Yeah. And got eaten by a plant. And it ate the bus too. I need to start by saying that no human eating plants have ever been known to exist in science ever. Hmm. And while a plant could theoretically eat something small, like a mouse or a chipmunk, it probably couldn't even manage to eat something the size of a rat. No. But people have been fascinated with the idea that killer plants exist pretty far back, maybe even to mythical times. Right. But stories of man-eating plants were super popular back in the 1880s, and that was starting with a short story in a book called Under the Punka Tree, where a little <laughs> boy... A tree. <laughs> <laughs> where a little boy chasing a deer encounters a tree with, quote, great waxen flowers and great honey drops of fruit with leaves that open and close like tiny hands. He runs into the tree and is basically never heard from again. This is like a euphemism for vagina. Uh, it might be. Right. Yeah. yeah. Punka. But the real thing... I'd love to get some get sweet, some of that sweet, sweet, punka sweet, action. sweet punka action. But the real thing that got people thinking about killer plants was from a scientist named Carl Lesh, and he described a killer plant in the free press. He described it as looking like a pineapple with eight long leaves, fat and spiky like an agave's, and six white tendrils that moved in the air. When a woman is sent to drink from the sweet liquid at the plant's top, the tendrils grab her, the leaves close in, and a mix of plant fluid and blood seeps down the trunk. So that's what he said what happened. Got it right in the punka. Yeah. For a time, it wasn't clear whether these stories were real or fake, and while he questioned its validity, he said hundreds of responsible travelers declare they have frequently seen it. The Lesh story was published in magazines and newspapers as fact. It wasn't until decades later that it was busted as a, you know, as a fabrication. Oh, gotcha. So fake news was around back then, too. Right. Yeah. The first film that I could find that dealt with killer plants is The Thing from Another World from 1951. Mm, yeah. The Thing from Another World. This is the spot where it was first seen. How did it get here? Where did it come from? What is it? Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Baffling questions, astounding questions that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? A being from another world as different from us as one pole from the other. I love that 50s monster name, The Thing from, the another, thing world. from another World. Great. It's a good movie. Yeah. Rough plot, a reporter tags along with a scientist to find out what's up with an unidentified object crashing in, in Alaska. When they find it, it's frozen in the ice, and when they try to melt it, it explodes. They do find some figure inside the ice, and eventually it escapes, but it's in pretty rough shape, and it leaves an arm behind. When they test the arm, they find it's vegetable, not animal. So in a nutshell, it's an evolved plant form that acts like an animal. It gets super defensive, but also kind of dangerous, and they end up having to destroy it. In the end, the reporter tells the world the story and ends with the line, watch the skies everywhere, keep looking, keep watching the skies. It's kind of like the classic, you know, like part of the movie. Yeah. yeah, you did a pretty good job with that too. That's not bad. Thank you. Hmm. So The Thing from Another World was a huge hit. I yeah. actually didn't know this. Yeah. Time Magazine actually called it the best of all of the 50 science fiction movies, and it killed it at the box office. Yeah. It took full advantage of the post-Hiroshima skepticism about science, 
In the end, it's an American serviceman and several sensible scientists who win the day over of the alien invader. So yeah. it kind of use that as a you know way of talking about it. It also doesn't play like a lot of those movies at the time. Like, oh no, we got to stop this evil creature from, you know, like they, it's more naturalistic acting. It's right. a good movie. Yeah. yeah. This type of movie is, is weird for me because yeah. science fiction, I only like it if it's really craze balls kind of. And mm. this one is a little bit more subtle, you know? Yeah. But it's a good segue because the next film I want to talk about from the 50s is Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. They come from another world, spawned in the light years of space, unleashed to take over the bodies and souls of the people of our planet, bringing a new dimension in terror to the giant super scope screen. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spreads. As the unimaginable becomes real, the impossible becomes true. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a classic film, any way you slice it. Yep. But it kind of gets more credit than the thing from another world as being, you know, one of the first kind of pod people movie. That's where the term came from. Yeah, you know, people, Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. It was a total B movie back in the day, and a lot of newspapers didn't review it. Audiences liked it, and mm-hmm. it started to kind of spread through word of mouth. The Brits censored some of the movie, but they released it too. Yeah. And Brit audiences liked it as well. No one could really pinpoint why. As we talked about before, most of the sci-fi movies of the 50s were pretty straightforward. They were about Japan, Nazi Germany, communists, McCarthyism, sometimes all of them. But this movie could be interpreted as being about any of these things or really nothing at all. Yeah. It was really open-ended and it was super, super bleak, which is why it's still talked about and still being remade all these years later. Yeah. So the rough plot, a doctor is being seen by a psychiatrist since no one believes his wacky story about people being pod people. Mm Mm-hmm. He's been seeing patients that think their friends and relatives have been replaced with almost exact replicas of them. Remember that we talked about this a few times in the case of the movie Goodnight Mommy? Oh, yeah. It's an actual real thing called Capgrass Delusion. Anyway, he soon finds out that this is a very real thing and that people are being replaced with plant versions of themselves while they sleep, and they're being grown in greenhouses until they're ripe to replace humans. This is apparently a plot to take over the world with more evolved plant life that is less emotional than humans. And minus all the things that make us fuck up our own planet, like love, hate, religion, politics, etc. Sure. So basically, they're just here to take over the planet quietly and repopulate. Right. Interesting fact, the original ending was just the doctor screaming as trucks and trucks of pod people were being transported. But the studio thought that it was super, super bleak. So they softened it mm-hmm. by ending it with the CIA being contacted. It struck a lot of nerves, though. Yeah. It's been remade a few times, most notably the 1978 version starring Donald Sutherland, Leonard Nimoy, and Jeff Goldblum. Mm Mm-hmm. The format was a little different. It started in space with a bunch of spore-like things that leave their planet and then fall with the rain onto some flowers near the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it's pretty close to the original and actually has a few interesting cameos. The original Doctor from the 1958 is in the remake. He screams, they're coming at passersby just like he did in the original. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Some people say the movie is actually a sequel, you know, because of this. Interesting. The original's director is also in it. He plays a cab driver. Hmm. It actually did really great at the box office, and critics loved it. 
it's considered by many critics to be one of the best remakes ever made. I agree. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. It's very good. It is very good. Did you know that some people say that I look like a young Donald Sutherland? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not necessarily a compliment. He's not really known for his looks, but... He's a fine-looking gentleman. Thank you. That was nice. Yeah. It was a kind of a compliment, so I'll take it. That's the best I can do. Go for it. A little different was Abel Ferrara's version called Body Snatchers in 1993. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it's a much smaller film and focuses around a military base and a member of the EPA, but it got decent reviews mm-hmm. and did well in the festival circuit. Sure. Not nearly as good was the Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig bomb, The Invasion from oh, 2007. God, that was so bad. Yeah. I didn't even watch the whole thing. I watched parts of it and you I was know, like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I skipped it too. It was plagued with problems from the beginning and had numerous script rewrites, mm-hmm. reshoots, and hemorrhage money the whole time. Right. The critics hated it and it tanked at the box office. It didn't even make enough in the US to cover Nicole Kidman's salary for the movie. Jeez, I'm yeah. sure I paid up front. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was bad. Yep. Moving on from the body snatchers, there was a movie called From Hell It Came in 1957. Oh, nice. Which was total garbage, but I have to tell you about it because I want you to see a picture of what the From Hell It Came actually was. Okay. The long and short is that a prince was framed for a murder and is put to death and buried inside a tree stump. As can happen. His spirit takes over the stump and turns into a walking tree stump monster that seeks revenge on everyone that wronged him. Oh, wow. I'm not making this up and I'm going to show you a clip of it. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So here it is. I'm going to hit play. So these are the these ladies fighting, and then the tree shows up. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit! It's I can't even describe it. It's like it's a grumpy tree stump. Yeah. He's not even like threatening, or he looks like someone woke him up from a nap, and he's not very happy about yeah, it. Yeah. He doesn't look scary. He no. just looks like he's like, oh no, I've got to go eat these ladies. And now these women are stabbing a bunch of trees. Oh, here he comes. Oh shit! What's he doing? Is he going to eat her? Stumpy, no. She looked at the grumpy stump, mm-hmm. or stumpy as I call him. Then she goes, ah, and then she just died or fainted. I don't she, know, she fainted and the okay. other girl ran away. Uh huh. Holy shit. So that was From Hell It Came from 1957. Yeah, it's terrible. It's considered to be one of the worst films ever made. I can see why. Although Leonard Maltin gave it one and a half stars and said, as walking tree movies go, this is at the top of the list. No, fair. Mm -hmm. Speaking of murdering trees, there's a murderous tree in Woman Eater from 1958. But fuck it. I've been wanting to talk about Little Shop of Horrors since we started the podcast. We've never talked about it. We've never talked about it. So I'm just going to skip ahead. Okay, good. So let's start with the first one, the Roger Corman one, not the musical. Okay. Have you seen it? I've never seen the Roger Corman one, but you have Nicholson's in it, right? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's all I know about it. It's really a wonderful movie on its own. Okay. It's very, very unique. I'll tell you all about it, but okay. I can't believe you haven't seen the original. I just well, never got a chance to watch it. Yeah. Is it available? Can I see it online? You can, and okay. it's actually, the the patent ran out on it, so it's in public domain, oh, so you better. don't even have to watch it illegally online. Yeah. Nice. The original Little Shop of Horrors was made on a shoestring budget for around $30,000, and it was shot on all the leftover sets from Corman's last film, A Bucket of Blood. (laughs) The original idea had come when he and writer Charles P. Griffith were drunk and trying to come up with a horror comedy. They cast it, rehearsed it for a few weeks, and then shot it in two days. Apparently, it was shot really quickly because there was a new union law, and it was about to go into play, and Corman rushed the film so he wouldn't have to follow the union law, because, of course, it was going to cost a lot of money. Right. And so he was like, oh, if I can... I think they made it, like, on December 29th, you know, before the union law went into effect on January 1st. And then kind of the oddest thing about it, they made it super Jewish for some reason. It's a really Jewish movie. It's kind of weird. Hmm. 
So the rough plot of the first Little Shop of Horrors is a klutzy Jewish guy named Seymour works for a grouchy old florist in LA's Skid Row. He's been crossbreeding different plants and shows it to his boss after he fucks up a dentist's flower order. His boss thinks they can make money off of it. It's kind of like a Venus flytrap looking thing and people start to line up to see it. Right. It starts wilting and Seymour sees it perk up when it sees the blood on his finger after he cuts himself. He realizes that the plant will only eat blood and he goes out to walk around and figure out what to do. He picks up a rock and throws it in frustration and it hits a man by accident and then the man gets run over by a train. So Seymour (laughs) takes the body back to the flower shop and feeds it to the plant and this starts kind of a chain of murders. Sometimes they're accidental, sometimes they're on purpose, but feeding this plant is making everybody rich and successful. Yeah. I'm going to spoil it at the ending, but I'm going to wait a minute because I want to talk about the remake first. So, okay. The funny thing about the movie is is it's really klutzy humorish. You know, it's really like, it's kind of like comedy, but then of course they're right. still feeding dead bodies to it. And they try to make Seymour a likable character, yet he is still murdering people and feeding them to this plan. Right. It's a really odd little film. Mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horrors had some decent success at the box office, even though it was a weird movie, even for Corman. But where it really blew up was TV. For some reason, the networks picked it up and it became a late night staple, which is really the only reason anybody remembered it all these years later. Also, as you mentioned, it was one of the earliest films of Jack Nicholson. So, you know, in the late 60s and early 70s, he got more famous with Easy Rider and Chinatown. So that kind of, you know, there was some renewed interest there. Right, more people wanted to see stuff he was in. Yeah. And soon after, a small off-off Broadway musical was based on the original. The musical blew up. It ended up running for five years. Wow. So the rights for a film came next in the 1980s. Sixth version was born. Remember what a big deal Frank Oz was like back in the eighties? Yeah. He had already directed The Dark Crystal and The Muppets Take Manhattan. Yep. So, of course, since the main piece of this was going to be a giant plant puppet, he took the job. Yeah. Remember what a big deal Rick Moranis was back then? I do. I guess he wasn't a big deal, but Rick Moranis was in every movie. He was, yeah, he was somewhere between kind of a star and character actor. He wasn't quite a star. But he was more well-known than a character actor. So it was a weird middle ground. But yeah, you're right. He was like in everything in some form or another. Yeah. I miss Rick Moranis. I do too. He's great. Ellen Green was the actress that played Audrey in the stage musical. So they cast her in the movie. Yeah. Add Steve Martin as the sadomasochistic dentist and Mm. cameos by John Candy, Christopher Guest, Jim Belushi, and Bill Murray. And then the voice of Audrey to the plant was by Levi Stubbs of the Four Tops. Mm -hmm. You would have thought that you would have had a bona fide hit with this, right? Yeah. Well, it was kind of a hit. Right. The 1986 version was based off the stage show, and so it was kind of a bleak ending. Mm -hmm. And instead of Seymour crossbreeding the plant, it showed up during an eclipse and ends up being from outer space and coming to take over the planet. Kind of like, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. But here's something I never knew. 
after they were done filming, test audiences hated the ending, mm-hmm. and they had to film a completely new ending, sending them crazy over budget and way behind their release schedule. Right. I remember Did you that. know this? Yes. Oh, okay. I, knew, I knew about that. In the end of the original, the Corman version, Seymour is supposed to be given an award at the flower shop, but right before, four buds open up and have the dead people's faces inside of them. Huh. He runs out of the flower shop, but returns later, and he jumps in with a knife. A fifth bud opens later, and his head is in it. But the plant appears to be dying, so it's kind of like a murder-suicide kind of killer plant style. Right. In the new ending of the 1986 version, the plant starts to destroy the shop. Little buds open up, and they're all little versions of the plant. Mm -hmm. Seymour holds up a broken electric wire and electrocutes the plant, and it explodes. Kind of like the ending of Jaws 2. He and Audrey get married and live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. In their yard, there's a tiny Audrey, too. Right. In the original ending of the remake, which you can watch online, Mm -hmm. Audrey 2 eats Rick Moranis and spits out his glasses. Then everyone in the world starts buying tiny versions of Audrey 2 and feeds them blood until they all grow huge and take over the world. Right. They run through the streets, flipping over cars and eating people. They destroy the Brooklyn Bridge and eventually are sitting on top of the Statue of Liberty. And while the ending is a a little long, kind of like a 10 minutes of that. It's a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big montage type of ending. Right. It's Uh, it's a great effect. Yeah. Like, it's... It's really an expensive set piece that they oh my did God. for the ending, and it's and it holds up. Yeah, absolutely. actually, we'll talk about that more probably when you get through this. But yeah, overall holding up. But yeah, that scene was like probably the most expensive part of the movie, yeah. uh, effects wise, and they cut it out. Yeah, it's such a better ending too. It's yeah, you know, a little too long, but like it's such a better ending. It's kind of a shame, but they did restore the original ending, so yeah. you can watch it online for a while. They only had like the work print cut of it, but now they've restored it and everything, so you can see it online. It's right. really, really good. I'm going to put it on the site. I kind of like the the original ending being the one that's released is because they got out of Skid Row, and you know, Seymour was actually a likable guy. They still managed to keep him likable, I think, yeah. in that movie, even though all the other shit happened. I think Audrey 2 was in more control and man- more manipulative. I haven't seen the original, but from what I could tell, they made Seymour more likable in the the, the remake. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to see him and what's-her-name leave. And actually, the movie itself, time's been kind to this movie. Yeah, it really has been. It's 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 so watchable, yeah. You know, and it's got set pieces are gritty. Skid Row's gritty. Mm -hmm. You know, the Greek chorus, the women singing. Yeah, the music is great. The music is great. You know, Rick Moranis is not a great singer, but he was he's still likable and did a good job, and it was nice. And Audrey 2 is still an awesome effect. Yeah. Like it's a wonderful effect. That huge animatronic puppet. Frank Oz doing this the was, was the right move. Right. Yeah. Whereas that, now, if they made it, it would be some stupid CGI. And it would be shitty CGI. And it would be shitty. Yeah. Right. This is still... It's a, it's a wonderful movie. Yeah, I love it. So we're only up to 1962 and the episode is halfway over. Right. Um, but I wanted to do the sequels and remakes instead of going chronologically like I okay. usually do. I'm going to try to speed up a little bit, though. Sure. So the next film on the list is Day of the Triffids from 1962. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Rough, I, yeah. Uh-huh. Rough plot. The world is being hit with meteoroids all over, which cause people to go blind and then mm-hmm. get in fights with each other. As can happen. It's clear that society is crumbling and... And then man and animal eating plants called triffids start to eat everyone. Ouch. It's actually remade as a UK miniseries in 1981 and then again as a BBC miniseries in 2001. It sounds Damn. terrible. I didn't see these. I just kind of ran out of time by the end of this. No, I hear you. And some things I just didn't have time yeah, to watch. But here. this was kind of a little bit more of a highbrow, you know, version right. of it. So it's actually got a lot of fans. It's not like from from hell it came. No, no, it's not. It's not stumpy getting revenge. But what is it? What does a triffid look like? You're gonna describe it? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of looks like, um, you want to see a picture? Yeah, I want to see a picture. 
<laughs> wow. Sorry. Sorry. It was it was stumpy again. <laughs> I tricked him. Yeah, shame on you. All right. Okay, here's the real Trifid. Okay. So it's kind of an armed woodsy Ooh, yeah. monster. Evergreen thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good a good way of it's describing like, it. Yeah. Evergreen. Yeah. Here's another picture of it. See it kind of has like a head too. Yeah, it's just a weird they just do some shit together. Right. Okay, gotcha. They should have come up with a cooler name. Triffid is not a scary name. I know, it's name. kind of like Night of the Lupus. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like no one's scared by something called a Triffid. Right. I'd be more scared of a bunny than mm-hmm. a Triffid, I think. There was also an X-rated sex parody of Little Shop of Horrors called Please Don't Eat My Mother from 1973. I really thought it would be Little Shop of Horrors. Uh-huh. It, it, that's probably better. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's basically about a virgin who hears a type of flytrap talk to him. So he takes it home and it gets bigger and bigger and eventually eats his mother. After that, he realizes that the plant only likes to eat women, so it's kind of a sex romp. And then the plant even gets laid to by a female version of the plant. Wow. This is available online, so. Yeah. And then there was Venus Flytrap from 1970. Okay. Want to guess what it's about? Um, a triffid. Kind of. Stump monster. So if the thing from another world was an A movie and Little Shop of Horrors was a B movie, uh-huh. From Hell It Came was a C movie. Okay. Venus Flytrap, aka The Revenge of Dr. X, might have been the first killer plant Z movie. Really? To give you an idea of how bad it was, the first draft of the script was written by Ed Wood, king of the Z movies. Jesus. So the rough plot, although I didn't watch it, is a NASA mathematician is working on a mission to outer space. The stress of the mission causes him to have a mental breakdown, so he takes a trip to Japan to recuperate. So he begins to experiment on a plant he brought from America. The plant is a Venus flytrap, and the scientist crosses it with a Japanese carnivorous plant nice. to create a creature that is almost human. So I want to show you what this thing looks like so you can understand how hard the killer plant genre fell in 1970, which fell even harder with the next film I want to talk oh, I'm about. I'm excited ready to see, see this? this. Oh, hell yes. Okay. All right, so show me this monster okay, thing so this here. dog comes in, and that's when you see the Venus flytrap. Halt, what? That looks like a, a Marty Croft, like, you know, one of those, like, yeah. from the 70s. It looks like something from Land of the Lost. What the fuck is that thing? It's That's like a-, a human in a costume, but his hands are Venus flytraps. Right. And then he just has hair, hair tentacles. Right. Yeah, he does. He has yeah. hair roots or tentacles, but it whatever. it really just looks like a man in a stupid costume. It's a bad, co- a terrible yeah. costume. Yeah. So that's Venus Flytrap from 1970. It's horrible. Awful. Speaking of Z movies, then came Attack of the Killer Tomatoes from 1978. Nice cult classic. Even I'm baffled by this one. Mm-hmm. Although I have seen it at least once. I'm pretty sure I've, I've seen, seen it a couple it. times. Yeah. I did a decent amount of research and found out some stuff that I didn't know. But here's the okay. plot first. Tomatoes, for reasons we never understand, start trying to destroy humanity any way that they can. Mm-hmm. People that eat infected ketchup die. They attack underwater a la Jaws. One comes up through the garbage disposal. You get the point. Yeah. The tomatoes are eventually destroyed by playing a song called Puberty Love, which kills them all. <laughs> uh, hum me a few bars of Puberty Love. Uh, I, I can't do that, unfortunately. <laughs> Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is usually considered one of the worst movies of all time, but you don't have to be a film genius to see similarities between it and a ton of other parody movies. Sure. Obviously, making fun of Jaws was very popular at the time. Yeah. But it also parodied most of the other 1950 science fiction films that we talked about today and numerous other horror thriller tropes as well. Yeah. When you look at it next to Airplane, which came out only two years later, you see it was the origins of, of movies like that. Right. You know, Scary Movie, The Naked Gun, This is Spinal Tap. 
you know, this was one of the early kind of parody movies. And there's like Kentucky Fried Movie came out around that time period and stuff like that, yeah. You can easily see the similarities of the ending of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and Mars Attacks. Yeah. I think the big difference between these movies is that they're all good movies based on bad tropes, where Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is a bad movie about bad tropes. Right. You know, like, Mars Attacks is a great movie. It's good. Yeah. But it's fair to assume that if you're going to make a parody film, you should get influence from the good ones as well as the bad ones. True. It's considered to be a cult classic now. So Yeah. You know, there's a sequel to Attack yep. of the Killer Tomatoes, like Return of the Killer Tomatoes mm-hmm. or some shit. Original. Yeah. George Clooney is in that. Oh, really? I think that was one of his first movies. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but... We're going to have to pull this one up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's all I got. Okay, so now we're at the 80s. Okay, goody. Let's kick off with what I'm pretty sure was the first tree rape scene ever, which of course was an Evil Dead from 1981. Oh, shit, yes. You remember this? Oh, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So basically, a woman is running through the woods. There's something evil. There's an Evil Dead thing that's in this cabin in the woods, basically, and they yeah. all go to the cabin, and then the thing starts to kind of take over. Mm-hmm. And she runs into the woods, and basically vines start coming out of everywhere, and right. they attack her, and then what? They go up her skirt, and they like... One of them does. Yeah, yeah. It shows it like kind of grabs her legs and then yeah. spreads them, and then and then tree she's rape. raped by a tree. Yeah, that happened in the remake too. Did you see the remake of Evil Dead? I didn't see the remake. I didn't either. You know how I feel about remakes. First one was great. Actually, Evil Dead Two is even better. But yeah. yeah, remember Poltergeist had an evil tree. <laughs> it did. The, yeah. the dead tree in the yard that kind of looked a little bit like Stumpy from. Uh, it did look a little bit like Stumpy. Yeah. yeah. So in this scene, it's like a dark, stormy night, and mm-hmm. the tree breaks into the kid's window. It picks the boy up out of bed and pulls him outside. What's his name from Coach? What was that guy's name? Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson and his wife run outside. They're trying to get the kid. And that's the scene where the little girl gets eaten by the closet. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. She so gets while the they're closet. out trying to save the kid, the little girl gets eaten by the closet. And I mean, the, the tree is like eating the kid. Like it has a mouth him into it, and it know? has like f- tree fingers. Mm-hmm. What are those called? Tree Branches. Fingers. Those, tree branch what, fingers. That's what I call them. And tree, tree, tree branch fingers. <laughs> and um, look at that beautiful tree and its tree branch fingers. Oh, the tree fingers. The marvel of nature. Yeah. And it stuffs the kid in its mouth. Yeah. And like Craig T. Nelson has to like try to like pull him out. And then eventually, I forget what happens in the middle, but uh, like doesn't a tornado pick the tree up and take it up? Take it yeah, off. And, yeah. it, and it takes it very like. Wizard of Oz style. Like, it's just, like, spinning around, and it takes it into the void. And then when they get back, the closet ate the little girl. Right. Swamp Thing from 1982 was a mutilated toxic waste man-plant monster. Right. I wrote nothing about this. So Swamp Thing is an actual comic book character Mm -hmm. from DC Comics. I don't know much about Swamp Thing either, but yeah, I think that was a Roger Corman-produced film. Uh, I think that's right, yeah. And I don't know anything about it. Creep Show from 1982. Oh, yeah. yeah, Had an extraterrestrial plant scene where an old redneck, actually played by Stephen King, Mm -hmm. finds a meteor and cracks it open. It's a very jokey performance by him. Yeah. It's a very like, oh no, I'm just a big, big old redneck. It's like, oh no, talk to myself. Meteor shit. Yeah, like yeah. that. There's a green goo inside, and after he gets it on himself, he starts to sprout. He tries to avoid water, but it itches so bad that he gets in the tub, which only accelerates the process. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then by the end, he's just nothing but one big mutated plant thing, and he blows his own head off with a shotgun. Right. Which is just plant by that point yeah. yeah but then in the ending isn't it like it starts to rain no there's you can hear the radio in the background and first of all it shows like a, a shot of his house and it's all overgrown by this point and then the radio's on it's like well we've had a drought but it looks like that's going to change because right. you know these thunderstorms are coming through and so basically it's taking fucked. over the world yeah. yeah i love that that's my favorite ending yeah even good. when you were talking about little shop of horrors and you're like oh i liked the happy ending and i was like i like it when everyone dies i know i mean i like that too i just i mean it, it can it be was two nice. things yeah sure you know, either way remembering 
Creep Show 2, there's an animated sequence that runs through the three stories. Mm-hmm. It's about a bully, a kid getting bullied. And at the end, all of the bullies get eaten by like giant Venus flytrap monsters. Yeah, didn't he order those seeds like in the back of like a Creep Show magazine yeah, or something? I think so. And then by the end of the thing, he had planted them and they came, yeah, yeah. ate the boys. Yeah. It was kind of a satisfying ending. Yeah, it was good. It was a good ending. William Friedkin made a killer plants movie called <gasps> The, Guardian the Guardian from 1990. That's right. Where a nanny makes human sacrifices to a tree for some reason. I've only seen scenes from that. I've yeah. not seen the whole movie. But I saw one where a root kind of goes through a guy's chest. Or yeah. Something. That's all I've seen. It's I've never seen it either. It was a really big bomb. It was a, a not very good Friedkin movie. No, but I heard it's pretty gory. The movie Troll 3 from <laughs> 1993, <laughs> a.k.a. The Crawlers, a.k.a. Creepers, a.k.a. Contamination, point seven, a.k.a. Troll 3, Contamination, point seven. This was Joe D- Diamata. Diamata? Sure. You're the worst pronouncers. Um, yeah. It's listed as a sequel to Troll, but like Troll 2 has no actual troll in it okay it's basically about a toxic waste dump that makes tree roots grab and murder people okay the epa finally gets wind of it and destroys the trees but like most of these movies leaves a window open that they might not have gotten at all kind of like creep show okay now is troll 2 considered the worst movie of all time with one the of room? Them, yes. yeah. yeah okay so i definitely saw troll 2 i might have seen troll 1 too i don't know all I'm, these trolls run troll together yeah. yeah trolls see one troll tree fingers you've seen it all Lord of the Rings, the two towers had killer trees, but they were good guys. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Harry Potter had them too. They had the whomping willow tree that like beat people. Uh-huh, which is funny. Yeah. But I want to talk about the movie Trees from 2000 okay. and its sequel, Trees 2, The Root <laughs> of Evil. <laughs> what? <laughs> from 2004. Um, yeah, please. So it's, it's basically Jaws, you know? So mm-hmm. it's Jaws, but with trees. The character Brody mm-hmm. in the movie Trees is co they actually kind of look a lot alike. Wow. Quint became Squint and Hooper <laughs> became Cooper. Really? The great white shark became a great white pine. Mm-hmm. There are lines like, we're going to need a bigger axe and get out of the woods. Nice. <laughs> so stupid. That's terrible. It's a VHS video shot tribute, but I thought I would mention it. Nice. The tagline is, its bite is worse than its bark. Oh, that's not bad, actually. <laughs> no. That's pretty good. The sequel, while being a parody of Jaws 2, also spoofed a few other movies like The Empire Strikes Back, Braveheart, and Jurassic Park. Hmm. And there's even kind of an allusion to the scene in The Evil Dead. I bring this up because this is a genre that not only created some of the most memorable films ever made, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. Evil Dead, and Little yeah, Shop yeah, of Horrors, yeah. but also made a ton of parodies of all of those movies, yeah, like yeah. Please Don't Eat My Mother, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and Trees and Trees 2. Mm-hmm. Just thought that was interesting. That is interesting. So are these trees movies trees and trees too are they full length are they actual they are but do you remember the movies that i used to shoot with like my vhs video camera Uh, it's about like that okay yeah We've talked about The Ruins a few times, Mm -hmm. and I've been a little mean about it, so I decided to watch it again since it's about killer skin vines. I actually enjoyed it much more the second time. When we talked about it in Parasites, you weren't that mean about it. You actually had nice things to say about it. I did. I feel like I was kind of like, when I looked back, I think I gave it two stars on Netflix, and I was like, gosh, I really didn't like that for some reason. So anyway, I now now knowing what happened in the movie, I think that helped it. So I actually really enjoyed it the second time around. Something's on me. They won't let us leave. Why are they doing this? It has something to do with the ruins. Get off me! It's inside me. I want to cut it. Ah! 
So rough plot, a bunch of college kids go to Mexico and on their last day, they go to see the site of some ancient ruins based off of a hand-drawn map Mm -hmm. to A, see it, and B, find this German guy's brother who went there a day or so ago and hadn't come back. Right. When they get there, before they even step foot up the stairs of the ruins, a bunch of locals yell a bunch of stuff at them and one of the kids gets killed. They run up the stairs of the ruins and basically stay there for the rest of the movie since the natives are guarding it and not letting them come back down. Right. They start to find human remains all covered and entangled in a specific type of vine that looks kind of like pot, like weed pot. Yeah, yeah. The longer they stay, they start to see the vines growing in their skin, vine mold growing on top of their clothes. And this is the really cool part, that the vines are somehow learning to ape the things they are saying in order to attract them closer. Do you remember this part of the plot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had forgotten this part. I remember once it sounded like a cell phone at some point. That's Like correct. a ringing phone. Yep. Yeah. So remember how I talked about those different types of carnivorous plants and all the things they do to attract their prey? Mm-hmm. This is based on some of those things. So right. it's based on actual carnivorous plants. Yeah. The first time you get a sense of it, the two girls go down into a pit because they hear a ringing cell phone. But when they get down there, they follow the sound and they can't find the phone. It turns out that the vines, which have these small kind of like buds that look like flowers kind of, are vibrating out noises that they learned. When one of the girls reaches for the flower thing, the vine grabs her. So this happens as well later in the movie as the vines mock them and try to trick them with small and creepy voice mimicking. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to work. Like, it could have been super cheesy, but they didn't overdo it. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a subtle plot twist into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, yeah. it's fine. It's good. One other thing I want to mention about this is the alternate ending, which is on the DVD. Mm-hmm. In the original ending, everyone dies except a girl and her boyfriend. They devise a plan where the boyfriend carries her down and she pretends she's dead. He sets her down and then starts walking away, talking about something that the natives don't understand. They focus on him and then she gets up and runs. They kill him and she gets away, but as she's driving, we see a tiny vine squirm under her eyes. Mm -hmm. In the alternate ending, she gets away, has the eye thing, and then we see her funeral. After everyone leaves, a groundskeeper hears a weird sound, so he follows it and we see her headstone with that same plant growing out of it. He leans in closer and the plant is making the sound that's like attracting it. Mm -hmm. He reaches out to touch it and we cut to the credits. Right. So the original ending is probably better, but there is some joy in like a groundskeeper gag. It's kind of a cool ending. It's probably not as good, but I enjoyed seeing it. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, it's a good movie. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to end this on 2008's horrible bomb of a turd, The Happening. (laughs) I actually watched it again. I watched it all the way through. So it's super fresh in my mind. Have you seen The Happening? I wish I hadn't. And Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't watch all of it. I watched enough to know that I don't feel bad about not watching all of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. It's probably Marky Mark's worst performance. It's Everybody's embarrassing. It's ter- uh, everyone in it. It's terrible. I will give it this. This is the only compliment the movie gets during those scenes where there's mass suicides going mm-hmm. on. M. Knight, for all of his shortcomings, he's a pretty good visualist. I agree. And there's some scenes where people are just flinging themselves off the building. There's a scene that follows a gun mm-hmm. as people shoot themselves with it, falls in the street, somebody else picks it up, shoots yep. themselves with it, and it keeps going. You know, it has some good flourishes Agreed. in that area that are that are pretty stylistic and pretty good. Yep. That's all I got to say about the good stuff, because that's he, pretty much it. He's a good director. He really yeah, is. He's, he's not a great writer. No. And I don't know what happened with the Marky Mark thing. Yeah, he all was right. bad. So, rough plot. A couple with zero chemistry, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel, True. travel through Pennsylvania with their niece to try to escape a natural disaster or terror attack. 
It was billed as M. Night. I think I've got this right. I think it's Shyamalan. Sure. Shyamalan. It's his first R-rated film, and he originally imagined it, or maybe didn't, as a throwback to movies like Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the Birds. Right. But he may have decided that after it was clear that something was amiss after the movie was, you know, all cut and finished. Yeah. The long and short is, in metropolitan parks on the East Coast, people start killing themselves in droves any way they can. They become disoriented, then freeze and stare into the distance, then find the quickest way to kill themselves. So some examples, you talked about the gun being followed, but in the first one, a girl pulls the big hairpin out of her hair and stabs herself through the throat. Oh, that's right. A man turns on a lawnmower and gets under it. That was upsetting. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. that upset me. People hang themselves, drive their car into trees. There's a man that gets in a lion's pit. Oh, that's and the right. lions like eat his arms off. Yeah. It starts off pretty great, even though Mark Wahlberg, it's such a terrible performance. It's really bad. It's so uneven, too. It's not even like the whole thing is an even terrible performance. There's moments where you're like, oh, he's getting this, and then it goes away again. They figure out remarkably fast. It's autopsy reports, like an hour after the people all died, that they're like, okay, we got the autopsy reports, and it's this chemical, and it's like, okay, wait a minute. Autopsy reports don't come back after an hour. Yeah, that's like a week later. We learned with Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and Amy Winehouse that you don't find out the next day what killed them. It's like months. Right. They've got like one hour photo version of fucking Right. And this whole movie takes place in 24 hours. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, yeah. That made me very mad. (laughs) V stupid. Instant autopsies while you wait. That makes me very mad. That is not true. Anyway, in the end, it turns out that the trees were doing it as a way of telling people to chill with all the global warming and greenhouse gases or some shit. It's actually not that terrible of an explanation if it were done right. Right. But this movie is terrible any way you slice it. If it wanted to be a B movie, then he should have been able to handle that. Right. Like, he's a very smart man. He's a good director. He should have been able to make a B movie. It actually has scary moments, you know, which we talked about. So if it was supposed to be a horror movie, he should have been able to handle that as well. He's very good at making a horror movie. Another thing that really bothered me about the movie is he has this heavy handedness and this way of like projecting morality Mm. on the audience, which comes off as this weird, like, did you see that movie Lady in the Water? No, because I heard it was terrible. Yeah, Yeah, it's a pretentiousness about it. Right. It's really... Annoying. He has these characters that have these like morality like things, but they're kind of perfect. In one of the moments, Zoe Deschanel tells Mark Wahlberg that she like went out and had dessert with another man. And he was just like devastated because she went out and had dessert with this other man. And it was just like, and he was like, well, I've never done anything and he's perfect. And I was just like, why are you telling me this? Like yeah. w- these characters are perfect. Like, I don't, this is so stupid. Yeah. And, and the, the worst point? thing she's ever did is she had dessert with some guy one time. It or made me. Dessert, it quote just, unquote. Maybe? Yeah. It just unnerved. No, it's Zoe Deschanel. She's perfect because oh, she's God. white or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It really <laughs> bothered me. So I'm going to start wrapping this up. I don't really have a point to make on this episode. That's you know, fair. sometimes I, I try to pull together one. a point. I don't really have one. Yeah. Other than Killer Plants is pretty much something that is strictly made up in the movies. Right. There are stories and books and legends of Killer Plants, but it's really been Hollywood that's embraced it as a plot point and ran with it. And I shouldn't pretend that it was a posh subject to begin with. Remember that Invasion of the Body Snatchers was a B-movie sure. originally. But like many other genres of film, this is one that has gone through the ringer numerous times and still continues to come out okay on the other side. For every shitty killer plant movie, there's also a great one. For every right. Venus flytrap, there's Little Shop of Horrors. For every From Hell It Came, there is Day of the Triffids. And for every The Happening, 
well, there's really nothing that could ever fix that. <laughs> true, true. So, yeah. Yeah, The Happening is the Night of the Lupus of <laughs> Killer Tree movies. So, you know, this ties in well with my last episode, which was The Cuddly Critters That Kill. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's Hollywood's trying to find something that is non-threatening and make it threatening. Right. And to varying degrees of success. Yeah, sometimes like it works about. and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. The more self-aware movies are usually the ones that tend to do this a little bit better. Right. There are course exceptions. Sure. If I had any complaint about... Well, I have many complaints about Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, mm-hmm. but it's not quite self-aware enough. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. It's. I feel like the sequel probably is, but I haven't seen it. We'll have to ask George Clooney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no shit. We talk to him next time. Well, that's my episode. What did you think? It was great. Yeah. I had a lot of fun talking about you know killer plants and not so killer plants. And Stumpy's my new favorite character. I know. I knew you'd like him. I He's like, him like me every morning. Yeah, <laughs> like Grumpy the first three hours, chasing people around the woods and making yeah. people pass out. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Good. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed Crop Killers. I didn't crop. <laughs> motherfucking <laughs> Crop even Killers. Crop Killers with a straight That's face. Great. All right. Thanks, everyone. All we right. will see you next week. Yeah, be nice to your plants. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources, as well as Sunday Slum Day, our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. The plant is a Venus flytrap, and the scientist crosses it with a Japanese carnivorous plant to help create a creature that is almost human. So I want to show you did what you this say thing, carnivorous? Carnivorous. What is? What did I say? <laughs> you say carnivorous. What do you say? Like carnivorous. Carnivorous. Whoops. Carnivorous. Okay, we're gonna go to the carnivorous. Shut and the get fuck on up. The- <laughs>